0: Awesome.
1: I'm Ari Meisel, he's Nick Sonnenberg, and this is the Less Doing Podcast. It's our little, our little nod to Joe Polish and Dean Jackson at the I Love Marketing Podcast. Uh, so our sponsor today is FreshBooks, and they want exactly the same thing as we do. Less stressing and more free time. To get you there, FreshBooks has created a dead simple cloud accounting software for freelancers. It's packed full of really clever features to automate all those day-to-day admin tasks you'd rather not waste time dealing with such as invoicing. If you know FreshBooks, you'll definitely know them for their invoicing chops. Creating and sending invoices literally takes 30 seconds. There's no formatting, no formulas, just really professional looking invoices always. Going a little deeper into FreshBooks is where you'll find some serious automation magic. Automated expense tracking, for example. By linking your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit cards, next time you expense that business lunch or tank of gas, it'll show up directly in your FreshBooks account. And just think, about how many hours that feature will save you around tax time. You can also avoid awkward conversations with clients who don't pay on time by letting FreshBooks send auto-late payment reminders. To feel the full effect of how FreshBooks can change the way you deal with your paperwork, FreshBooks is now offering Less Doing listeners a 30-day free trial. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash lessdoing and enter the code Less Doing in the how did you hear about us section. Check out FreshBooks today. How are you doing, Nick? I'm good. I've lost my voice, but apart from that, things well, are good. Well, so Nick and I did a, a, a rapid turnaround. We went to Florida. I was there for a mere five hours. Nick was there for just under 24 hours, basically. We had to go work with a client, and Nick lost his voice, as you can hear, but sounds okay. <laughs> as you, as
0: you might, may or may not know, I'm not much of a talker. I'm usually the guy behind the guy, uh-huh. <laughs> and I was only prepared for, a, what was it? It's supposed to be an hour and a half meeting. Yes. Went on, um, on for a while. Yeah, day one went on for seven hours, and day two went on for five. So one and a half hours turned into 12.
1: Basically. Yes, yes. So good for you for recovering somewhat. So we do not have an interview today. So what that means is that we have more and more links. This week, we are interviewing a very special shark in the business world. We'll reveal who that is on the next podcast. But for now, we'll get right into the links. So the first one I want to tell you about is is called LydiaBot. This is a service that's been around before, I didn't realize it, but it's a payment service, but now they have a bot for Slack. So you can pay people in Slack chat, which I think is actually really cool. So you think about like Square Cash for instance, you just ask LydiaBot, to pay someone basically, and it does it, it does the transfer.
0: So it's for like company reimbursements?
1: Yeah, so like the example they give is like, hey, how much do I owe you for lunch, Bob? Uh, The tuna sandwich is awesome. And they say, yeah, I love the tuna sandwich, the burger was tasty, but it was 10 pounds in this case. Okay, I'm on it, and you just tag LydiaBot, and they pay. Very cool. I think that's really neat, right? Right. Um, It just makes it really seamless, and once again, the more that you can do in one platform, the better, right? So in this example too, you could say, at LydiaBot, please send Nick $10 and uh, they go ahead and do it. So it's just really convenient. Nick and I have been paying each other for things using Square Cash for a very long time, and it's it's super convenient. But this is great, it's 100% free. Very cool. Yeah, you know, so we're gonna actually set this up with our with our team. The next one is another Slack bot, which is called Bintel, and this is business intelligent bot for Slack. So there's a number of these out there, and I'm not necessarily sure which one is better or worse than others, but for example, we have Sway, which is a bot in our Slack implementation, which allows us to say, at Sway today, and it will show us our revenue and expense numbers for today, which it pulls from Stripe and our bank accounts. So this is pulling business intelligence information, which it's getting from Redshift and Postgres, which I'm not exactly sure what that is. But basically, uh, you can get information within Slack on your business, essentially, based on the different sources you put into it. So I, this is more just like a point of information for people to check out if that is the kind of thing that might interest them. This one I actually really like too. This is called Pomo Slack. It's a <laughs> Slack timer. I mean, a Pomodoro timer in Slack. That's cool. Yeah. So basically you say work and it starts the timer. So you say like at Pomo Slack, whatever, work and it starts the timer and it'll display your timer and then it'll tell you to rest and take your five second, five minute break.
0: I wonder if it like totally turns off slack so you can't even type slack during the slack yeah. the during the break period
1: well, except unless you could argue that the slack is the work maybe, but uh, it also it'll give eventually they're gonna start giving pomodoro stats that you can share with people and stuff that's cool.
0: I think it's really and, neat. like compete a little bit amongst people like hey, today I did twelve pomodoros. How many Pomodoros do each employee do like in a given week?
1: right, that's cool and this is something like, especially with our VAs who are doing client work and are working with lots and lots of different clients. Sometimes they find that switching costs a little bit challenging. And I've actually recommended to a lot of them that they really try the Pomodoro technique, not necessarily the classic one at 25 minutes, because you can play around with the ratios. You could do a like for me if I ever do a Pomodoro, which is not often nowadays, but I'll do it um, usually 15 minutes and five minutes. I find that really helpful. So for them, it's like you just focus. On one client for you know 10 minutes and think about it that way and then then break it off that way so this is great though it's built right into slack so that was three slack integrations right in a row the next one is an indiegogo campaign that ended already but you can still buy it and it's called the Bowbacks jacket so this is a travel jacket they have a windbreaker a bomber jacket a hoodie and and a blazer and i had this on my recent trip to florida with nick and it is a travel jacket. So if you've ever seen the Scott e-vest, it has some similarities. It has a lot of pockets. You can put your iPad in it. It'll hold your sunglasses and it has a, like a, a wipe for your glasses. It has built-in gloves. But the nicest thing of all is that it has a built-in inflatable neck pillow and a built-in eye mask. So I got on the plane and I put a, I, I inflated the, the neck pillow and I put down the mask and I was in a cocoon and I basically fell asleep before we took off and Woke up when we landed. It was really, really nice. (laughs) And it's good
0: looking too, I have to
1: say. Thank you. Yeah, that's the bomber one. And like even, they really thought of everything. Like even the zipper is a retractable pen. So you can pull that off and then write with it. Okay, so the next one, I wanted to show this to you, Nick. This is interesting. This is basically, it's like Slack within Trello. Okay, so this this is sort of like, I have to explain this to people. So it's called Hubber, and you can chat inside of a Slack board. So this is the, the reason the I find- A Slack this, board or a Trello board, you mean? A Trello board, I mean, sorry. So the thing that I found interesting about this, so it's native to Trello. It's actually very in line with what we show people because you're talking about that one project is almost like a channel. I, I'm seeing the look on Nick's face, so this is interesting. We love Slack as a means of communication, and we always say that Slack is for communication, and Trello is for project management. However, this is a really interesting mix of the two, I have to say. So what this is allowing you to do is have a real-time chat interface. Now, again, when I first saw this, I thought it was weird because you can in – I mean, you can't really, but you can sort of chat within Trello because you can have real-time comments on a card and people can see them immediately. So in some ways, it almost is like chat because it's real-time. But this actually separates it out so that on the right side of it, you have this entire chat interface and you're talking about just that card or just that board. So like, I can't go so far as to say that this is a complete replacement because obviously Slack, you can do, there's a lot more you can do and there's a lot more bot integrations, a lot more automations that you, you probably cannot do with this. But for a sort of lean and quick and dirty implementation, uh, in a team or in a company where you just want to have certain things that you're working on, then you can just have this as your chat platform. And it makes it so that you can get a lot more done a lot more quickly. And it even includes the ability to turn a chat into a task with one click.
0: It's really cool. I'm going to test it out. Like, I think you have to kind of choose, though. It, it, this kind of replaces chatting in a channel basically in Slack. Exactly. And you don't want to, like, have a channel in Slack and you know, chat in this and then also chat
1: on the card itself. There's too right. many places to look at that point. So the one thing where I thought that this could be useful, and we've had this experience, is with temporary or short-term projects. You know, so you don't necessarily want to have an entire channel for it in Slack and have everybody in that. Like, if, like for example, when we work with, with um, contractors or specialists, and they're just really going to be working on us on one thing, like doing a new sales funnel or doing MailChimp we've been adding them to Slack and we have like these separate conversations with them and all this stuff. Maybe in this case, they're just in Trello just for that project, you know, and then they can chat there. It's just, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting um, integration. Well, look, it's so, definitely worth trying. It's definitely worth checking out. But I mean,
0: it is also, even on the short-term projects, it's, it's easy enough to, you know, create a channel temporarily, make them a single channel guest and then, you know, archive the, ar- archive the channel after.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's called hubber.io. Okay, so the next one is called Sherbet. So this is an app. Now, this is one in a long line of many, many apps that do this. But I have to say, from what I've seen, this one actually looks like the first one that gives you really actionable information. So this is an iPhone app that will pull in data from your fitness trackers, from your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, Square Cash, like all these different things, like 50 different sources. And it will pull your data. And again, that's not unique, but what this is actually doing is giving you actionable information, such as, is drinking coffee affecting my quality of sleep? And you can click that, and it'll show you an actual correlation. Um, how effective is my workout routine? When should I post on Facebook to get the most that's likes? Really cool. Yeah, so it's one thing that there's a lot of these ones that aggregate the data, but there's very few that actually or you that actually give you the insights. And so this looks like one that does. So that's called Sherbet. Okay, this is an article in New Republic, and are, do you have a fear of spiders, man? Chance.
0: I mean, if I had to choose, I would prefer to not have a spider on me, but. You know, I'm, there's, there's things that freak me out more like, like the jump we did in uh, Fort Bragg. Uh-huh. That, that, uh, that scares me much more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, this might work for you too. The idea here is that they've basically, the article talks about a group of scientists who discovered uh, an existing drug that they believe they, they can use to treat fear with a pill.
0: Well, what is it, like THC or something? No, there? no,
1: it's propanol, it's, um, it's propranolol. Propranol. Which doctors have prescribed for decades to treat heart disease. And now it's being put to a very different use. And so basically, this is they're, they're using it to treat PTSD, phobias, and other anxiety disorders. And she said it's working a bit like magic. That was the quote. So. We should give it to Anna and Fran and see if the. What, what's that phobia that they have with the. With tryptophobia. The see if. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my wife is tryptophobic, which is a fear of. It's not, it's a fear of holes, technically. But but, found in nature. Right, found in nature. Like a honeycomb. Like a honeycomb or a lotus pod would be the worst thing, like it actually makes her like sick.
0: What about a pomegranate, like opened up?
1: But those aren't holes. That's, well, maybe. I don't know, actually. She likes pomegranates. So... (laughs) Uh, But it's a real phobia. So, the the only issue, well, there's a few issues, but the main issue that I would have with this is that there's a purpose to fear, you know, we have fear for a reason. So that's what what I was just thinking, like people, people all of a sudden are just going to start doing stupid shit they
0: shouldn't be doing.
1: (laughs) So that is a risk, but we'll have a link to this article in the New Republic about treating fear with a pill uh, for you to read if you want to. And then the next article is also about treating something with a pill. And this one I have a little bit more knowledge about. This is uh, in The Verge. So I've spoken before about, and I've, I've actually spoken with an expert deals with fecal microbiota transplants. So that is where you are taking the poop from one person and putting it into you. Uh, And have you not heard about this? No. No? Okay, no. So this is a real treatment. It's a radical, not radical. It's been around for a little while now. But to treat all sorts of disorders, mostly it was originally treated for C. difficile infections, but they've been using it for Crohn's disease, for colitis. Basically the idea is you take a poop sample from a healthy person with healthy gut bacteria and you put it into you and it repopulates your gut bacteria.
0: How do you put it in?
1: Uh, there's different methods, but the, 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 the most common one is to actually just insert it anally essentially and just and then you sort of sit there and wait and let it take over. Hmm. But now uh, the idea of a poop pill is basically what we're talking about here. And this is an article about someone who's making it himself.
0: Just no one takes that.
1: <laughs> well, the article is called a bitter pill. But as you can see, he's uh, he's taking it and, and putting it into a pill, and, and Nick Nick is Nick is is uh, cringing a little bit. But the, the the science behind it makes sense that you're taking someone who has healthy gut microbiome and there's billions and billions of, of bacteria in there, and they're ingesting it. And there have been stories, lots of well known stories of people with like horribly incurable Crohn's disease or other things. Did you, you ever try it? No, because I, I hadn't. I didn't get to this point of desperation. And my 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 issue with this. So so if. If I was still suffering the way I was, I certainly probably would consider something like this because yeah, it's so hard. I guess awful. if you're
0: in pain, like you're willing to try anything. Right. right. So the
1: only issue that I have with this, and so it is the only issue, is that we don't, you know, they can test the person for all sorts of STDs. They can test for infections. They can test for that kind of stuff. We don't really know, though, everything that could be transferred in that kind of you know exposure. So obviously you're going to get good bacteria and bad bacteria fine. but who knows? Who knows? Honestly, like what else is going to come along with that? But at the same time…
0: I mean like what happens if you, if you eat your own poop?
1: Um, you're, you're
0: getting pretty sick, aren't you?
1: Not necessarily. Huh? Not necessarily. I mean maybe. It might be pretty unsettling. But the truth is if it just goes into your stomach and you're not tasting it, there really shouldn't be a problem with that per se. And if you honestly think about it, all of us are exposed to this kind of stuff. I mean, just by walking around the streets, like you, you, you are exposed to poop at some point during the day, or pee, or you know anything on the streets of New York. It's in the air; we're breathing it. So, how different is this? I don't know.
0: Well, it's a little bit more concentrated.
1: A little no bit more concentrated, than, yes. And then just walking around <laughs> and breathing in the air, but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, so, uh, again, so this is another one about testing. This is actually something I do want to do. There is a new hormone test, relatively new hormone test, that is it's called the DUTCH method, which stands for Dried Urine Test for Comprehensive Hormones. So, uh, I, my understanding is that you can actually do this from home. So, you, you take urine and you put it on this, this sample card and then you send it in and you can get really, really good information on your hormone levels. So, you're going to get uh, hormones as far as like metabolism, and uh, estrogens and all that stuff and I think that and cortisol so hormone testing is a really interesting one for me because it gives you a lot of information honestly and it's one of the things that can change very rapidly so you can get really really good feedback from your hormone levels based on different things that you're doing and you know and and if you have too much testosterone you can be really aggressive you have very low testosterone you're going to be more sluggish and there's all sorts of things that can be associated really clearly with hormones so if you can test it from home it's great. And
0: then, if you can link it with that app you just mentioned before, yeah. Yeah, you
1: you know, and you can see like what the impact of coffee is on your hormone levels. Exactly. There's two more. So, this one is called Man vs. Marathon. It's in the New York Times this week. So, this, is, this one is really interesting to me. So, the, the current marathon record is like 201, roughly.
0: I'm a Kenyan guy.
1: I think so. I'm not sure, actually, but about 201. But there's been a quest for a while now to try to break the two hour barrier. And it is believed to be impossible. Well, they, th- they thought what it, the four-minute
0: mile was impossible?
1: Yes. But this is a little different. So to accomplish a, a a marathon is an hour and 59 minutes and 59 seconds, you'd have to run at a four-minute-and-37-per-mile pace for two hours. That's – I mean I can't run one mile at 4.37. The fastest mile I ever ran was uh, 6.05, I think. Right? So you're talking about somebody – I've actually never even timed myself. Right, okay. (laughs) So that is blazingly fast for a very, very long amount of time. In addition, you'd have to be running at like 90% cardio capacity for that entire time, which is also pretty much like a recipe for death. You have to sustain a heart rate of 160 to 170 beats per minute. You know, I was saying it would require 85 to 90% of a runner's maximum capacity, which is twice the capacity of the average person.
0: Well, I mean, if they're doing 201 though, I mean, they're pretty close.
1: Yeah, but you know as well as anybody with your your finance background, your numbers, your math background, that like the incremental changes are harder and harder and harder, right? For sure. I mean,
0: at some point, it's hard to say what the max is now. Now with like you know testosterone injections and all this all this stuff, like you know who knows what the what the body is capable of.
1: Well, what I find particularly interesting about this is that yes, eventually the incremental gains are going to get smaller and smaller, but. To qualify to run the Boston Marathon, you have to be able to run, like as a, as a pro or whatever, you have to be able to run a sub three hour marathon. Okay. The reason that that's interesting to me is that a hundred years ago, when they had the Olympics and the marathon, of the Olympics, the winner was 306. Right. So we've come, and that's a big deal. Sports science is, yeah, totally right. Changed,
0: yeah. Like I was a swimmer and, um, you know, breaking 20 seconds and, like, 50-yard free was, like, unheard of. And now people, I think there's people going under 19 seconds now. Right. You know, and that's a massive, one second is massive. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just in the last, you know, 15 years.
1: Yeah, so I just, I thought it was really cool. And and so there there's actually a scientist who is trying to do it.
0: Trying to break the two-minute?
1: Yeah, and so he's doing it at the lowest place on Earth. It's a it's an area between Israel and Jordan. It's very low altitude, so I guess it's um, low pressure.
0: I thought Death Valley was the lowest place
1: on Earth. So did I, actually. But it says that uh, that there's there's a sign that says it's the lowest place on Earth. Uh, it has headed to this low-altitude divide between Israel and Jordan. He had come for the oxygen. A quarter mile below sea level at the Dead Sea, where the barometric pressure is high, there's about 5% more oxygen to breathe. So... I guess he's hoping that that'll make a difference for him. <laughs> I mean, is it cheating if like you have like an oxygen mask on, on your face? Probably yes. Although I don't know, you know what, maybe not, because you're still running, right? It's a fascinating pursuit, I have to say. And now this is the last one. So this is an article called The Next AI is no AI, which is funny because there've been the articles like the next UI is no UI. <laughs> It's basically saying that artificial intelligence is starting to turn invisible from the outside in and vice versa. The exact effects and workings of AI technologies are becoming more challenging to perceive and comprehend for humans. Even the experts themselves don't always fully understand how an AI system operates. So, and they're saying, what does this mean for human agency and the future of artificial intelligence? Do you have people have to read the article it's in tech it's a tech article and we have links to it in the show notes but the reason that i wanted to bring this up was that nick and i have been looking at artificial intelligence for the va stuff we, we've thought about it for a while now and nick has taken a stance which i agree with that there's no point in us bothering to invest to figure this out because in two years basically there'll be some free piece of software that just does it right yeah for sure so you know obviously you know about the turing test right yeah. Yeah. So for those, can you explain it for those who don't know?
0: The Turing, like NP complete, is that what you're talking about? The one
1: where like you have to fool fool the judges. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, test, oh, oh no, okay. T- 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 I,
0: I think it was Turing, though, that basically uh, came up with this concept of NP complete. Like, it's a logic, uh, it's like a, a, a big concept in logic, like if, if a problem is solvable or not.
1: Right. Well, so this is basically the Turing test, as it's as it generally used, which is a yearly thing, okay is that uh, it has to try to fool three different people into believing that it's a person. Oh,
0: I know. I know yeah, I know.
1: so it's, and it's based on chat. So you're chatting over like instant messenger with it and you ask it questions, it responds, and the, the, the judge has to be able to identify which one was a real person and which one wasn't. And I don't think anyone has actually done it yet because you, the judges are good and they'll ask you know, very tricky questions. Like, like, why is this sandwich, uh, or like, why is the color blue salty? You know, and I'm like, what's a, what's a machine going to say to that necessarily? What is the difference, by the way, between machine learning and AI, or is it the same thing?
0: Pretty much, a, I, I group it all together. Yeah,
1: it's pretty much the same thing. Anyway, so it, it's just a good article, it's worth reading, and this is something that's just going to become more and more pervasive in everything that we do, I'm pretty sure. So uh, anyway, that's all the links we have for today. Do you have anything you want to share?
0: Well, first of all, for, for the AI stuff, I kind of regret I was taking that second master's at uh, NYU like five years ago on scientific computing and AI. Now it's like a hot topic. I was a little, I was like a year ahead of uh, year ahead of the curve, but I dropped out after a third of it, unfortunately. Um, I wanna, I, I think I wanna test this out and see if people how 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 you guys react to it. But, um, after the show note links, I think like it might be interesting to talk about cool hacks that we've done for the week or things that we've done to improve the VA company. So let's, let's, you know, please write to us and see if you like this little segment and we'll keep it, but there's a few cool things that we've done this week for the VA, as already mentioned, we went and worked with a client setting up Slack and Trello. And one interesting thing with this client in particular is they really, really are used to text and email and audio message. So a cool hack that we did was on his phone, we installed drop Vox with a V Created, linked it to a special folder in Dropbox, then created a Zap with Zapier so that when he records a Dropbox message, the Zap will detect that there's a new audio file in Dropbox and then create a card in Trello for one of his executive assistants to pick up. So, you know, it sounds simple, but now, you know, he just clicks a huge red button And the next thing he knows, it's, you know, being taken care of by an executive assistant. And it's much more organized now that it's all being centralized in Trello and the assistants can keep track of the tasks and he doesn't have to really change his behavior. He can still do the audio messaging. And then also similar for email. Now he can email Trello and it'll create a card in Trello and we created aliases. So you don't have to remember the whole long name. You know, we created an alias in their contacts, and he can just email Trello, and that's it. It's taken care of. A few other cool hacks that we've done. We turned on traffic for Facebook ads. We're now running Facebook ads for a $47 product for a video that we did at Genius Network in October for a three hour workshop. And we're using ClickFunnels to do that. And ClickFunnels has an integration with Stripe, but not with Chargeify, which We've spoken about on the podcast before, but Chargeify is the front end layer, you know, like a front end interface to Stripe. And it's what we're using to manage all of, all of the charges and, and clients, et cetera. Um, but there's no integration with ClickFunnels with Chargeify directly, just Stripe. So we, we hacked something together. And if anyone listening is in the same boat that likes ClickFunnels and Chargeify, and if you run into this issue, we, coded a special little hack where it will turn off the, cu- the customer in Stripe, and then using webhooks, create the customer in Chargeify, and we pass the credit card information by the credit card token from Stripe to Chargeify. So that was a really cool hack that we've done this week. Um, any other cool ha- little hacks that we've done um, this week? Uh, oh, another thing that we've done is we've changed our pricing structure now on the VA side. Yes. So we've simplified the signup process and payment structure for VA. Now, it, when you if you want to sign up, you only have one option and it's $129. And when you sign up, now we're just giving you five free hours. Whereas before, when you signed up, you paid the 129, which was our monthly fee, but then you also had to buy the credits. And, you know, that was a variable that you know, one, we had to come up with a default. So we're charging $40 per hour. So if we default it to 10, that's $400 plus the 129. So it was $529 when you looked at the shopping cart. So now when you check out, no matter what, it's 129. And, you know, basically after the five hours are up, you know, you should be pretty hooked. That We're finding that most people, it's a pretty sticky product once you yes. start using it and you use five hours. So then at that point, you can purchase however many credits you, you feel like. We've also, we've hired an analytics, but we've really scaled lately. We've hired an analytics. A
1: MailChimp person.
0: A MailChimp person, a new developer for custom development.
1: We have a travel specialist now, too. We've always been able to do travel stuff, but now we have someone who just does travel for us. So that doesn't just mean planning travel. It also means that if a flight gets delayed and we need to get a, a credit or something, she knows how to do it.
0: Right. So there's been a lot of really cool stuff that we're working on internally here on the VA side of things, and you know every week I'll, I'll just share a few few key key wins that we've gone through because it might be helpful for your business. Oh, another tool that we've started playing around with is something called Growsumo, which is basically like a platform for affiliate partnerships. So rather than you do having to do all the biz dev and contact individual places, you, you just go to Growsumo and like for instance. Yeah, you know, there's a company called Good Audience that we're we're testing out, and they had a, an affiliate partnership that like you could clean, just sign up for.
1: It's like the cleanest interface I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really nicely designed. Oh, also another win that we've had this week is we've been using Zapier for when a client signs up. We've been using Zapier to automatically create a project in Toggle because we use Toggle for time tracking, and now we have, we're turning that off because now we're using the Toggle API. Um, because the zap was only limited to creating a project, but you couldn't do more complex stuff like setting the number of hours and setting the hourly rate. So now we can do all of that with the API. And the next step is to create automatically the bookmarks for the clients because we want we want uh, when a client signs up to create a bookmark so that they can um, take this bookmark link, And at any point, see how many seconds have been performed per task. Awesome. Um, Yeah, so there's been a lot of really interesting stuff that we've been working on. And we will keep you guys updated for the next few weeks and see how you like it.
1: All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening in. And we will see you next week back with a regular interview on episode 219.